Welcome again to another uh, another episode of the Brian Show, an emergency podcast. The big news of the day: Sean Payton retired after 16 years as head coach of the Saints. I'm joined by my sidekick Steph, and we are joined by the uh, by Bo, uh, Bo, who is uh, a football one of the smartest minds, one of the great minds of Saints Twitter. Uh, he is joining us. Uh, joining us on this call, Steph. Now, Steph, where were you when you found out that Sean was retiring? Um, yeah, like I told you earlier, uh, off the call, off, off the recording, um, I was, I woke up, literally woke up, I slept in, um, I was getting ready to go outside, do some errands, and the notification just popped up on my phone. And I'm just like sitting there in shock. Uh, I was at McDonald's on Canal Street and I was I was in line and all I was doing was refreshing the Twitter timeline. I'm like, you know, um, you know, I'm like, whatever whatever happens, uh whatever happens and stuff, um, you know, you never know. It's never a dull moment. It's never a dull yeah. <laughs> moment with Saints Twitter. You know, it's never a dull moment or anything of that nature. So, um, part of the reason why I follow the Saints too, because no matter like for good, for better or for worse, like yeah, for better or never worse. A dull so, <laughs> so, so I I refresh yeah. the timeline. So I text Nicole. I text my my friend Nicole, who's been on this podcast too. I text her and I said, Nicole. Sean Payton is retiring and she could not believe it. She could not believe it. I was shocked because I was downtown in the CBD and I really didn't like have time to show, you know, show anybody, hey, look, Sean Payton's retiring. You know, I'm trying to get some food. I'm trying to get back to my house. You know, thankfully it's not as cold as it was for the last few days. It, you know, I had my scarf on. But um, I was shocked, but I wasn't surprised. And I'll yeah. tell you why, Steph and Bo. I just think he was just tired. Yeah. I just think he was tired. He I mean, was who tired. wouldn't be after the past couple years? I mean, like, like, like football aside, I mean, who wouldn't be after, like, this past season that we've had? And I'm the thing that... And the thing right. I would say, and, and the thing I would say is this, is the fact that he had COVID twice. Like he's had COVID, yeah. you've had a hurricane, you had to go basically play home game in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh-huh. Um, then the quarterback that was supposed to be the, success, the, um, the successor to Drew Brees, he gets injured and mm. It's like, it was just, I think he just got tired. Some people are saying that he got forced out. I don't think he got forced out. I just think he just got tired. Yeah, I think so too, I, like, it's early to tell. Oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, I don't want to cut you off, but I was just going to say, I agree with you all. Um, I feel like a lot of people read too deep into it instead of, being realist about it. Like imagine being in a place for 16 years, you lose your most beneficial coworker in Drew Brees in this case. And you go into this year, like I said, he had COVID twice. He lost his starter. He had the hurricane that displaced the team for the first month of the season. Um, not to mention he just got married. And both of his kids are in college. So it's like a lot of real life factors that I think people aren't recognizing. Just because they're emotional and I get it, but you have to understand like just being like in his shoes for a second, it makes a lot of sense. You know what I'm saying? I mean, when you look at it, you gotta also look at it this way. I also look at it this way. Sean Payton is 58 years old. Yeah. He's almost 60 years old. That's hard to imagine that he was one of the young, when he got this job, he was one of the youngest coaches in the NFL. Like, think about it for a second. Like, he was 42 years old 
when he took this, he was 40. Yeah, he was like, he, he, he was, he was 42 when he took this job. Um, and his kids, you know, you look at Connor, Connor was six years old when he, when yeah. he came here. Uh, and Drew's and just, son was uh, just a baby. Like, you, you remember that iconic baby. pic? Remember that iconic pic of him holding up his son? Yeah, Drew. When Drew's they won, kid was a baby. Yeah, like Drew's kid yeah. was a, a a baby. Um, I I looked up uh I looked up uh John Harbaugh and uh John Harbaugh like John Harbaugh was forty was forty five years old when he took over the job when he became head coach of the uh of the Ravens. So that being said, you know, Baltimore, I think Baltimore is going to go through that same thing. New England is going to go through that same thing as well, because there are kids yeah. that only know Sean Payton as the head coach of the Saints. And like, I, like we were saying, like his kids are in college. His kids are grown. You know, I could get I could All understand right. staying in this position while they were in high school but now you know his son is about to graduate college his daughter already got graduated college and you know i think he just got tired he wants to enjoy life you know he's 50 you know we tell people all the time that jobs don't care about you we tell people this all the time on twitter and i'm like yeah. okay somebody tweeted about of how it, much actually. money um Regardless of how much money yeah, a person makes, about that. regardless of how much money a person makes, all that money, you can't take that money with you when you die. Like my mom just retired from the University of Memphis after 34 years, but she has the second job and she basically fainted on the job at work. She basically fainted on the job. And I said to someone, I, I wrote a letter to my mom, cause Steph, you know the story. Me and my mom don't speak. And I wrote a letter to my mom and I say, mom, you're 64 years old. You're 64. You're not 44. You're, you're 64. You haven't taken a vacation since I was a kid. And I always wondered, could you imagine had we gotten into the playoffs um, and, and, and had we gotten into the playoffs, how checked in would Sean Payton have been? I don't think he would have been checked in if we had gotten into the playoffs. Yeah. Oh, I don't think he would have been. I think. Shit. Excuse my language. Um, dude, so dude, dude, you can curse on this damn podcast, man. You ain't got to do that. Man. You uh, fucking yeah. man, hell. I, we curse. We cuss on this motherfucking shit all the time. I don't know if y'all saw his uh, presser. No, we don't do. I don't. We don't do censor on this podcast. We don't do censor on the Ryan show. No, no. This is unfiltered. Unfiltered. We walk in our truth. We walk in our truth. And his presser, as he was like addressing the media one last time, he kept saying it wasn't a moment that he came to the realization. He said he was kind of thinking about it for like a little bit over a year. But if you play, if you pay close attention to it, he kept referencing the Dolphins game when Ian Book was starting. He kept re- he referenced it at least three times, probably five times max. But he referenced it a good amount of times to where if you really understand football and you really pay attention to, like, coach speak and you, like, read between the lines, mm-hmm. you could tell that was the moment where he was like, oh, shit. You know what I'm saying? I think... Mm-hmm. I think that was the moment when it like hit him like, okay, yeah, I can't do this no more. You know, and the fact that the Saints were even in playoff contention in the last week of the season, depending on the Rams and the 49ers, I think the fact that we were even in that spot just speaks to how much work he really put in to make that specific roster be competitive. And I think at the end of the day, he you know, weighed his pros and cons and he was realistic with himself and he was just like, yeah, I gotta, you know, I gotta step away. And I don't blame him. I can't blame him. I literally cannot blame him. I mean, I think we all went through like a, a just like a, a, a gambit of 
of, of, of emotions, like people were just angry of how it could, why could this, how can this happen? No one was caught off, everyone was caught off guard. And I'm like, there was no right or wrong way to leave, to walk away from something. You know what I mean? There's yeah. no right or wrong way. I mean, people think it is a right way or a wrong way. And I feel like what I feel like, I think the thing, the beginning of the end was that no call. Cause that game broke everybody. Yeah, that was the yeah, that was the window. That was the last official window for him and Breeze, and he knows that. And and the thing was, <laughs> I used to always hear think about this fact. The thing that he said, he was like, you know, the window of to a Super Bowl is gonna be open as long as I'm here. And I always believed it. Like with Sean Payton, you knew you had a chance. And like now that window is basically closed forever. Um, I think to me, that game broke everybody. And I talked about it in the Twitter space. I'm not sure if you heard of the Twitter space, Bo and uh, Steph, I'm not sure, but they, it, it's recorded. It's recorded, Brian recorded it. And I told a story about that day. And I always talk about it. The image of Candace Wright crying and BJ, you, you know, I got BJ, right, uh, Bo? You know who I'm talking about, right? Uh, yeah. BJ. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The image of BJ looking like a zombie has stayed with me for the last three years. And I have covered sports for 25 years. Okay. I've been doing this since I was like 10, 11 years old. So you, you, you kind of have an idea of where I'm going with this. I always revert back to that, that BJ, damn near, I thought BJ was going to kill himself. I always tell that, I told, I told him privately one day, I said, dude, I literally thought you were going to kill yourself that day. Cause I, cause that game broke him and it broke the franchise and it broke the fan base that nothing bad, nothing bad after that, could, nothing, nothing could hurt us anymore. Cause we, we got hurt. Mm-hmm. Nothing after that day could hurt us as a fan base. Hello? Yeah, 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 I was waiting on you to say something or somebody to say something. No, oh, no, I was someone came across my phone. I was just waiting for it to go away. You're you're fine, you're fine. Um yeah, but- yeah, I get cutting off as well. One more. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But but no, I just believe that that game right there, it broke everybody. It it broke everybody. It did. It did, man. And I, I I I and, and the thing here's the thing. Like, the everyone, no call, right? The Nola no call. Yeah. And here's the thing. Like like everybody knows, I grew up. A yeah. Okay. Fan. Like everybody, everybody knows I grew up a Colts fan. Okay, I grew up a Colts fan, but but I love the Saints. Like this is my team, and and everything. And I have seen numerous heartbreaking losses as a fan, but nothing to the magnitude of that. You know, I would have been fine if yeah. we had just got blown out in that game. I would have been perfectly fine. Okay, we got blown out. Okay, fine. But to lose like that, no, it, it, it will never sit well with me. Right. And, and I, I actually thought we were going to quickly implode after that. Like we weren't going to recover, but no, we, we still managed to get some mileage out of it. But the thing is, yeah. I feel like we've been stuck in a rut ever since then. So, you know, I feel like, you know, some change is needed. It's long overdue. Yeah, and when you stay in, in a place, in another sense. when you stay in a place for sixteen years, that's mm-hmm. that's nothing. You know, when you, you get to this time where you just like it's time for you, it's time for you to roll on. And like mm-hmm. I said, you, one of the things that people don't realize, I, I always bring up the Steelers thing. You know, when Chuck Noll left, Chuck Noll, they finished seven and nine in his final season. After Terry Bradshaw retired, they got to one AFC title game, one more AFC title game. They lost to the Dolphins. It was the the, the year after Terry Bradshaw retired. And 
as soon as night after that the pro the, the the Steelers you know they were they went down and they went down in the rut and then after mm-hmm. Bill Coward when Bill Coward took over they got back to the you know they got back to the AFC title game they got back to a Super Bowl they bring in uh the rapist and um they win a Super Bowl they win a Super Bowl but you know but I think also it was set up for him to be the head coach Bill Coward and Bill Coward I think was 57 when he when he left the Steelers I want to say so Bill Bill Coward was Bill Coward left when he uh I want to say Bill Coward was like 57 when when he no he was 58 he was 58 when he left the uh the Steelers so um so right there that right that right there is one thing you know one of the things right there is this um he well he was from Pittsburgh he was from Pittsburgh he played in Pitt you know he was from Pittsburgh and everything and the thing was after he you know after he saw his kids graduate college and shit he was like look I can't do this no more and he won his and he won his last game he won his last game right so you can see the pair I can see the parallels based on what you're telling me because Sean I mean we won we won our last he won his last game too against Atlanta no yeah last. but he but, but the difference was right. like the different the difference was you know the difference was um Sean Payton I mean Sean Payton didn't win a championship in his last yeah. game Bill Coward did Bill Coward did so that being oh, I thought said, you meant like in general. I, I like in like, general, I in general, yeah. We're talking about general, the Super Bowl. Like I didn't realize general, you were talking about the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, but but in, but in general, but in general, in general, you know, in general, you know, yeah, he he um in general he won his last game and stuff. But you know, we all don't. Nobody ever gets a, a happy ending. It doesn't happen that way. No, it doesn't. Didn't happen with Drew and. And the saddest thing. He saw. He saw. He he saw what happened with Drew, right? And I guess he saw that, and he's like, "Oh shit, what if this happens to me too?" Right. right? It can like, happen. I go you know, out it, sad. You know. <laughs> right. No one Eli, wants to go like out Eli, sad. Like Eli Manning went out sad. You know, Eli Manning yeah. went out sad. Philip Rivers. I don't think Philip Rivers went out sad, but. But the thing, the tragic thing is that Drew Brees played his final season in an empty Superdome. Yeah. At least Sean got a chance to experience a full Superdome. Uh, and I was at that game, I was at that Dolphins game, and it just, it was just so, it was like the first play in book, he throws a ball, he throw, goes to his right, he throws the ball and it gets picked off. It was a it gets run back for a pick six. And I said, this is going to be a long ass night. And I was and I remember telling somebody this game should not that game should not have been played. But the Saints, but the NFL wanted to make the Saints an example. And, you know, they were not giving up a Monday night football game. Yeah. The story of our lives, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So now kept, we shift. I, Go I just ahead. kept thinking about uh, like the Eagles transition in the early or the mid two thousands from Andy Reid. I don't know if y'all remember, but he yeah, went to Andy Reid and Chip Kelly. Uh-huh. Right, yeah, the Andy Reid four straight NFC championships. I mean, he got fired. He didn't leave, but it's kind of like the same sentiment, I guess. And it's just like I just want. That's kind of like a lot about what I tweeted about today. I just want Saints fans to understand, bro. Like, that's still one of the most well-run organizations in the league. Still have an off-season to address. Still have a draft to address. Like, it's not like the Saints, it's not like we got sold to a different place or we got kicked out of the league. You know what I'm saying? Like, life goes on. And you, at this point, mm-hmm. you just have to embrace it, man. Like, yeah, it sucks, obviously, but what can anybody do about it you know absolutely and i think the thing is you know 
a lot of people, when I think about, for example, um, when I think about, for example, and I'm looking at this, um, this graph or whatever, um, when I look at this graph and stuff, that it's sort of like with Andy Reid. You brought up Andy Reid. Andy Reid was the head coach for 13 years in Philadelphia. And most people knew, only knew who, only had, they only knew Andy Reid. Like if you were like 10 years, eight years old in 1999 and you were getting introduced to football, Andy Reid was your coach if you grew up in Philadelphia. And by the time you graduated college, they had let him go. But one of the things that I think that what gets lost in this, uh, Bo, is that the Eagles during um, the Eagles during uh, the time of Andy Reid and basically under the current ownership, they have been a very successful franchise. Before yeah, the Eagles before won the, a lot the of the Eagles, games yeah, in the eighties, the man. They, they want us. They, they got a Super Bowl out of this. Yeah, they got they a Super Bowl. They yeah, got a they Super Bowl. A lot of they people don't understand Rex Ryan and Rob Ryan. They don't understand how they got into the league is because of their dad who coached yeah. the Eagles. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but it's like what I'm saying is like in the in like in my lifetime, I in our lifetime, we've only known the Eagles as being very good because if you go back to before Buddy Ryan got there. The Eagles had only went to eight. They only had eight playoff appearances. Okay. If you are under the age of, let's say, 35, under the age of 40, the Eagles have been a really good franchise. And it started with Buddy Ryan. Then you bring in Andy Reid. And before Andy Reid got there, the Eagles had five division titles. Five division titles. In the last 20 years, they have won nine division titles in the NFC East. Okay, so that being said, ever since I was, ever since in our lifetime, we've only known the Eagles as being very good. The same way that people of our parents' generation knew Washington as being very good. Like in our lifetime, Washington has been bad, but before that, Washington had one of the was a very prestigious franchise until Dan Snyder fucked it up. I'd say even the Patriots prior to Brady, um, nobody. Yeah, I mean, really but they had some. They supported. had some good years. They had some good like before 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 Bob Kraft bought the team. Uh, before they bought the team, he before Bob Bob Kraft bought the team, that franchise was really bad. But yeah. then also. But then also, um, the thing is, what I, I look at is that um, Bill Parcells had it going in, in, in New England. But before Bob Kraft bought that team, they were, they were going to move to St. Louis. The, uh, the Patriots were supposed to go to St. Louis. But Bob Kraft stepped in and saved the team. And people in our, in our, in my, in our lifetime, we know the Patriots is a really good franchise ever since Bob Kraft bought the team. So yeah. that being said, it takes ownership, ownership, the general manager, everybody got to have the same vision. And when no one, ha when the same vision isn't there and when people are still stuck in the past and shit, guess what? You're not going to be able to get a quality coach and you're not going to be able to have the same kind of success as you had under an iconic coach. Right. And I think it's unfair to say, oh, we're going to like, you know, blow everything up because just. I mean, you can't, off. like, why would you blow it up? I mean, the thing about yeah. it is this like, team there's some was. there's pieces there. Yeah. There's this some team was there. one like, game defense... away from. I mean, if we don't lose that game to the Falcons or if we don't lose that game to the Giants, we're in the playoffs. And if Devin, if Devin White's bitch ass didn't injure Jameis Winston, we would definitely be in the playoffs. I would say we would oh, yeah. probably would have won the division. Now, how we would have been seated, I don't know. But the pieces are there. All you got to do right. is just get a coach. Um, right, like our defense is, is that's the like thing that I see. Say among top tier, right? 
Right. We've become a defensive team ever since uh, Drew left, which is good. But then now that Sean. But this is, is you know, like everybody says, you know, everybody says, Steph, you got to also look at it this way, Steph. This is an offense. This is an offensive minded league. You can't you can win with defense. Every time we would get a turnover last year, Bo, you can I'm sure you agree with this, Steph. I'm sure you agree with this as well. But every time we got a deep, every time we got a turnover, it was hard for me to get excited because we knew that it was going to be three and out for the offense. That's true. So having a good defense doesn't mean shit when you can't score points off of turnovers. And I'm not talking about those bitch ass field goals. That's why I'm kind of nervous about, not nervous, just more so hesitant about giving Dennis Allen a head coaching spot. I mean, he deserves it, obviously. He, nine times out of ten, he's going to get it. But if you look at the final four teams in the league right now, they all have offensive head coaches. Mm-hmm. Defensive head coaches, it's not that they're at an advantage. I just feel like they they see the game differently. So I think the ownership is just in a tough spot because they're obligated to give Dennis Allen the job, but they probably also know that offensive guys are the answer. I mean, Sean Payton is proof of that. Right, right, right. Right, and you have uh, to score in order to win, in order to go yeah, to you the gotta playoffs. Score. You, to have the turn, to, you have right? to score. You have to score. Uh, you have to score in everything because if you don't, if you don't score, if you if you get turnover, if you get turnover, and you don't score, then your defense doesn't mean your defense doesn't mean shit. Like your mm-hmm. defense doesn't mean shit. You got to get points off of turnovers. That's really what it is. You got to get points um, off of turnovers. And when you don't get points off of turnovers, your defense doesn't mean shit. It really doesn't. No. Buffalo had the number one ranked defense across the league. And and they put up all, points. Yeah, you all, we also have them to So it's just like, it comes back to your point. Like, if you don't have that quarterback, if you don't have a force on the offensive side of the ball, man, your chances are slim. And I just don't see how we get back to that point this year, this offseason. I'm um, hoping next year will be different, but it's going to take a while for us to get back to Super Bowl contention. I mean, we obviously going to be good next year. We have all our players from the 17 draft class are entering their prime, and it's going to be hard for the Saints to be really, really bad. Like, that's just not going to happen. So, yeah, yeah I, I mean, all these guys know is winning. And then on top of that, I just do not see, like you said, I do not see them um, being really bad. Like, that's the thing. Like, mm. people people always start saying, oh, oh, they don't have, they not, they don't have Sean Payton anymore. It's back to poverty. And it's, it's mainly people <laughs> like the Minnesota fans. Um, yeah, it's people that want to see us. The, the Minnesota fans and the Atlanta fans and the Tampa Bay fans. If I were them, I wouldn't even say shit right now. Because I'm gonna tell you this, Tom Brady asked for to retire. And they're and gonna Tom be Tom Brady. No, they're they're just coping. They're just coping right now. Tom Brady was about to come to New Orleans before Drew Brees changed his mind, but that's a different conversation. Yeah, but <laughs> what what I'm, what I'm saying is what I'm saying, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are gonna have a very rough future when Tom Brady oh, yeah. retires. Most and definitely. they're gonna be just like they're gonna be just like the Denver Broncos. Believe me, you don't think like I'm dead serious. They're gonna be just like the Denver Broncos because you got to find a quarterback. Nobody on that roster that they have, and I know our quarterback situation is shitty. But, but it can also turn into a in a three sixty too. I mean, look at Tampa themselves. Like they were in an uncertainty, then they got Brady, and it's game over, right? Right. So it can also flip flip of the switch too. So you can't like really one flick of the switch. Say. Like you get a you get a, a you get a a, a a a a quarterback, and you get a guy that can throw it around at, uh, uh, as a quarterback, and you get a guy that's offensive minded, and 
had and got a scheme that can set this team up to win, then you you're golden. And then like I try to explain this on a on the Saints Twitter space, but Eric did not like my baseball references. He's not a baseball fan. A lot of people do not like baseball. I don't understand why. I but I explained this baseball. I explained this baseball analogy. Um, this guy, Frank Robinson, he was a baseball player for the Baltimore Orioles. Well, he started his career in Cincinnati. And here's what happens. They had traded him to the Baltimore Orioles. And they had called him an old 30. The, the Cincinnati Reds did. The year before Frank Robinson got to the Baltimore Orioles, the Reds finished third. Guess what happens? I mean, not the Reds didn't finish third. The Orioles finished third behind the, the White Sox and the Twins. He gets over to the Orioles. They win the World Series. He wins Triple Crown, MVP, and a World Series ring. And that started a run from 1966 to 1983. The Orioles won three World Series. They won three World Series. And on top of that, they went, they played in, I think, four, I think, four or five, I think they played in five World Series and they won three World, they won three of those five World Series that they participated in. And they started this run of success that lasted 20 years. That being said, one player, you put in a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers or somebody of that nature uh, at quarterback, guess what? You're golden. You you have a chance to... Uh, you have a chance to do great things, but then also if you don't get a quarterback in free agency, there are some good quarterbacks that you can look at, like a guy like a Sam Howell or a Kenny Pickett or a, a, a Kenny Pickett or a Matt Corral. There are some quarterbacks out there that you can look at um, if you if you decide to go that route in the draft. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Uh, at the 18th spot, so I didn't. I didn't think Sean Payton would go quarterback at 18 because I don't think rookie quarterbacks are really his thing. But I think it's an option now. Uh, I think Kenny Pickett is the best quarterback coming out of the draft. Uh, I think Malik Willis from Liberty has the most upside, but. That'll be easier for me to call once they decide on the head coach. Um, if he's an offensive guy, quarterback at 18, probably a good chance. I think receiver at 18 right now is probably the safest bet. But I wouldn't mind taking a flyer or quarterback at 18 because I highly doubt Seattle will trade Russell Wilson inside the conference. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is leaving Green Bay. Uh, you could take a stab at Deshaun Watson, but we don't even know if he'll be a free man um, 12 months from now. So can't really go into that. So I just feel like either at 18, you could probably go receiver because it's an obvious need. I don't have to tell you all that. But besides that, as far as landing a big – like top 10 quarterback this offseason, I just don't see it happening, unfortunately. Oh, I definitely agree with that. I definitely agree with that. I think, I think me personally, I think the, the safest bet is go stick with Jameis Winston as the quarterback. I think that's the safest bet. Um, because how, I mean, how is the market going to look for somebody like James Winston? How is the market going to look for somebody like an Aaron Rodgers or a Russell Wilson? I don't want Aaron Rodgers here, and it's for non-football reasons. I just don't think we need that baggage coming to New Orleans. And the same way with Deshaun Watson, I don't think we need that baggage coming to, um, to New Orleans. But... I do agree with you on that point about like getting a wide receiver instead of getting these project picks, man. We don't need to be getting no motherfucker that grad that played football at Dayton or Butler or some D three school that nobody heard of. We need yeah. someone that came from a school that people have heard of. Mm -hmm. We don't need to be taking uh, 
draft pick getting draft picks from these small ass schools because i think i mean i don't you know, see anybody getting like i mean i don't see anybody like hot high profile coming especially with Peyton gone so yeah it seems like we might have to build through the draft most likely and now it's kind of hard because we can't miss like it has to be like 2017 like we have to hit on yes, all you, can, you have players, to you have right? to you no have to hit on these picks because if you don't have if you don't hit on these picks uh it can set your franchise back for a long time yeah, yeah. so that's the most kind of already is important. in a way like we missed on in a, a way lot. i think i think yeah in a way you know in a way yes it does it, it does um uh, in a way it has because when you look at this past year's draft and mm. the year before i think those those drafts right there kind of set us back because we should have we should have drafted a wide receiver um that could complicate that could complement Michael Thomas, because you saw it in Atlanta, you had Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. Why couldn't we have Michael Thomas and some wide receiver here in New Orleans? Um, I think the last two drafts have been real, have been really bad. 2017 was just that that fluke year where we drafted well and those draft picks hit. Yeah, and I never even, that year, I never even expected it to be. I thought, oh, it's just going to be the more of the same. But then 2017 as a whole was a pleasant surprise for all of us. I mean, it was my, it was like, to me, I right. think, to be honest with you, it was like my favorite, my favorite season as a Saints fan. It was my favorite mm -hmm. season. I mean, it was fun. It was right. uh, fun. It was just every, well, except every for the week, first just, two games. Like the first two games were terrible, but then it was just like, I think my favorite game from that season was the Miracle on Porters. Down 15, oh, yeah. Alvin oh, Kamara. I was, I had went to sleep and oh, somebody called me and I'm in bed and I woke up and I look and they're like, oh yeah, um, oh yeah, um, the Saints are coming back. As soon as I got, as soon as I turned on the TV, Alvin Kamara ran in the touchdown to uh, to beat the Redskins. Uh, and it's just that kind of thing, um, that kind of thing um, that's just been, yeah. you know, just been we, It rolled into, it. yeah, it was fun. And it rolled into 2018 and then yeah 2018 after that 2018 you know and happened. yeah like a lot of that stuff and i think that's like the thing. we thought I look there at, was like a renaissance coming right like we thought oh okay we're and it, it was like, steph, it was, steph it was a renaissance it didn't end the way we thought it would end but it yeah. was a renaissance it was fun it was like every week there was something great i mean being you know, you guys know I've been the like the de facto voice of Saint, of the Saints Twitter radio network for 11 years, for like 11, 12 years. And um, being behind, the, I would say, being the person that delivered the dagger every time we won uh, during that stretch, it was fun. And, and I think my favorite moments, the one that was that stands out the most is when um Alvin Kamara had the six touchdowns and I say could you imagine if this if the dome was full that that game yeah. it was that like that that right there broke my heart that was when um I sank into really a big a really really I sank into this deep hole of depression because it brought like seeing that game and seeing that I'm in a bar, I'm not downtown at a tailgate and not seeing a full dome with Alvin Kamara scoring six touchdowns, that right there broke my heart. That right there broke my heart and everything. But that right. being and said, done, like, the uh, Steph, both. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, th those games broke my heart. So now yeah. we shift over to two more things. 
One, do you guys think that Sean Payton is a Hall of Fame coach? Because I, I look, I, I want to say he is, but it's like there are a lot of coaches that have a, a, a better body of work than Sean Payton. And I feel like if Sean Payton gets into the Hall of Fame, then we could say the same thing about Andy Reid. I, Andy Reid is going to the Hall of Fame. But what about Sean Payton? Some people say that he's not a Hall of Famer because of the playoff success, but you gotta look at the fact of where the Saints were before he got here. The Saints had only one playoff win in history. The first 33 years of the franchise, they had only, um, the first 30, 38 years of the franchise, the first 38 years of the franchise, they had only one playoff win. They had one to two division titles. Okay. Before he got here, the Saints had never gone to the playoffs four years in a row and also had never won a division title four years in a row. So right there, all of that I just said right there, that makes him a Hall of Famer in my opinion. I, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. But I mean, because I don't know what they what what the criteria. The criteria, the, the criteria, the criteria. I don't know what the criteria is for the yeah. for the pro football. It Hall all of depends thing. on what but, they, they define as. Yeah. But if you look at the same thing with Andy Reid, like most of us know this, the Eagles as a winning franchise because of what Andy Reid did in 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 Philadelphia. And what I see here is that before Andy Reid got there. They had, I think, eight, eight division, I think eight playoff appearances before he got there. He had a lot of success in Philadelphia. No, he didn't win a Super Bowl with the Eagles, but his body of work makes him a Hall of Famer. Even though he won a Super Bowl in Kansas City, and he's also, I think, one of the few coaches in NFL history to win 100 games in two different, in, in two different, with two different franchises. I think he's one of the few coaches to, to do that. Um, and I think, in my opinion, if Andy Reid is a Hall of Famer, so is Sean Payton, because they both built up those franchises. Andy Reid built up the Eagles the same way Sean Payton built up the Saints. Right. And I think if, like, like if their criteria, if it were up to me and you, like, if the criteria is impact, like he would definitely be in no doubt no question about it but like i said i don't know what they determine to be hall of fame worthy so like maybe they see how many super bowl wins you have maybe they see stats or i'm not even sure so but objectively i i say yes i mean drew Brees is the first ballot is Drew Brees the first ballot? Yeah, Drew Brees. Yeah, Drew, Drew's definitely first ballot. Like Drew oh, is definitely yeah. first ballot. <laughs> no if, question if, about if that. If he is, then Sean Payton has to be there. Yes. And I'm looking at through with some of the coaches that are in the Hall of Fame, and I think, and I even think Marty Schottenheimer should be in the Hall of Fame. Like Marty Schottenheimer had a lot of success with the Browns, with the Chargers, and with the Chiefs. And I'm like, how do you not have him in the Hall of Fame? Like that is one of the dumbest things ever. He should be in the Hall of Fame. Like, he won over 200 games as a head coach and he's not in the Hall of Fame. So I don't know what, you know, in, in terms of, in terms of, of, you know, in terms of how thing, how they do things in Canton, I would think that he would get into the Hall of Fame. Like, I seriously would think he would get into the Hall of Fame. I mean, you know, I don't see any other, any other, um, any other, uh, any other way to, to look at it. it is that he should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and, and his longevity, too. I mean, the only other coach I can think of who's been around for this long is Bill Belichick. So, and he's always Yeah, Belichick and, and John Harbaugh. Yeah, so I yeah, mean, John and, why not? And Bill Belichick. I mean, there are a lot of things, and there's also but then one there's thing. a lot of 
there's like one thing that and that people forget and he revitalized the entire franchise like especially after yeah Katrina. i mean that's the thing like that's that right there like alone people should forget put him, to, that right there alone yeah. should put him in the hall of fame but right. then i also look at it at this thing at this this criteria of the coaches that we grew up watching that aren't in the hall of fame like mike shanahan should be in the hall of fame he's not in the hall of fame mike holmgram is not in the hall of fame he took the seahawks to a super bowl and he took the packers to two super bowls and george seifert is not in the hall of fame there's a lot of coaches that are not in the hall of fame that won um super bowls and yeah. you know mike well mike dicker got in as a player mike dicker got in as a football player i mean as a player he didn't get in as a coach but he's in the hall of fame um do we you know do we put and should we just should we put coaches in just because they won super bowls i say no but also look at how they built the franchises up. And that's, I, I think that right there should be the reason why he should get into the Hall of Fame because he built up the franchise. Mm-hmm. 100%. So now the last thing before I let you guys go, Eli Apple. I've been waiting to say this for the longest, and then I'm gonna shut up and let you guys chime in. Eli Apple is one of the was one of the worst first round draft picks that um, the Giants made in recent memory. And when you have your mom fighting your battles, it's not a very good look. And I think about this lady here in New Orleans. Uh, she had took care of my friend's dog, right? This was the weekend of the this was the weekend of the Bucks Saints game, the game that was here uh, on Halloween. Well, the story goes, my friend's dog was basically neglected by this lady, who, by the way, got her mom to call my friend, and the lady's mom blamed my friend for her dog being neglected, right? And I'm thinking to myself, okay, why do you have your mom fighting your battles? And the same, in the, and I use this analogy with Eli Apple, like he had his mom fighting his battles and also in so many words, everything that Landon Collins said about him, it came to light. Because one, I actually did like talking to his mom on Twitter about politics. And I really thought she was an advocate for like the NCAA for moms whose kids played college football or played um, or played pro, pro football. But I have never seen any mom on social media say the things or do the things that she did. And I think the reason why we gave him, we gave him a lot of fucking grace in this city because he was from Ohio State. There's a connection between this state and the state of Ohio, which dates back to Paul Dietzel, who is from Ohio. He won the, the national title for, L, he was the coach of the first uh, LSU national championship team. And we gave him a lot of grace because of where he came from. He was an Ohio State guy. You know how we are with Ohio State players. And I felt like we were, we gave him a lot of grace. For him to say what he said, that pissed me off. And I said, dude, we took you in and we gave you a lot of grace. We were more forgiving than the fucking New York Giants. The New York Giant fans were ruthless against his ass so the fact that you've been around five different teams in six years it shows me that you're basically community pussy mm. right he's like, he's a problem he's like apple doesn't matter man he doesn't matter he's no. useless he's useless in everything the only reason why that motherfucker's playing 
is because them motherfuckers, them guys got hurt on on the in the secondary. If he wasn't, if he, if them guys weren't hurt on the second in the secondary, he wouldn't be out there playing. If I'm being honest, I actually forgot he was still playing. <laughs> I actually forgot yeah. he still existed. Yeah. <laughs> like. That was a name I haven't heard in quite some time. I was like, how is this guy running his mouth? Like, how, I was like, how the fuck is he still running? He's like running his mouth. Like, he's fucking running his mouth. And I'm like, and I'm, I'm looking like, wait, he talked, he said what about New Orleans? I'm like, yes. what? He makes like, uh, Beltman comments sound tame in comparison. Because at least Beltman was a useful player. Yeah, like, Belt, Beltman... Us. Like Junior Gallet, everybody in New Orleans loved him. Some Junior Gallet back in like 2013, 2014. I thought him and, and I did I too. Thought, I did too. Yeah. I, I had a shave Gallet. I had a shave Gallet uh, shirt from Dirty Coast when um, when he was here. Um, I everybody loved him. Some Junior Gallet. Everybody did, and. When he got that big contract, he it changed him. You know, money changes people. You know, same thing, same thing that happened with Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown went from you know this humble cat to a guy that thought his shit didn't stink. So that's the same thing. That's the same thing you saw with Junior Gallet, and it was like. He napalm all this goodwill um all this goodwill that he stored up. And with Eli Apple, he was just a walking fucking pass interference guy. Like like I said, nobody knew he still existed until he started popping off at the mouth. And I was like, dog, the only reason why you're still, the only reason why you're out there is because all the guys on the deep, on the off, on the, uh, on, on, in the secondary got injured. So I, you know, he's person Nungrata, but you know what? God's going to come to collect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, you know, but anyway, guys, thank you all so much for joining me on the podcast. Both the podcast will be up on Thursday, Thursday. Thursday, I'll be talking with Brian, not cousin Brian, but the other Brian will be talking about Mardi Gras. As always, thank you for your time this time. And until next time, we will see you down the road.